There's a very good unison on that. Um, thank you so much. So happy to be here. And so sincerely humbled and honored to be here and um, for this season and for this ministry and for this opportunity to, to be here and um, to have the opportunity to, to pastor in this church, and I'm so sincerely grateful and humbled for that, and, uh, and, and Carrie and I are both very excited. Um, if you'd like to turn your Bible to John chapter 1, I'd also like to thank Roger and Joy. We stayed with them last night. I've been told that you're the nicest people here. <laughs> so, downhill after? No. Um, but... We've been very well fed, um, and sincerely appreciate the opportunity to stay with you guys. Thank you. And uh, yeah, again, we just, we've appreciated all, all of you and how just friendly and inviting everyone has been, and we're just so excited to be here. Uh, one prayer request we do have, I should have mentioned this, um, and it was alluded to, I guess, during the, the prayer, is that uh, Carrie and I are in the process of moving up here, but just prayers for that to all go quickly. We want to be up here as soon as we can, so we can just be here uh, permanently and, and not commuting between here and St. Louis, but um, thankful to be able to start today. Well, next week, but to be here today. Um, I know we already prayed, but if you'd join me, let's say another just word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this church and for your work that you're doing in, in this church and in people's lives and in this community. I thank you for the love that people have here for one another and for the local community, and I just pray, Lord, for um, you to use me um, as a servant. And Lord, I, I pray today for your word, that it be edifying, that it be uplifting to your glory, and that it be faithful to your word and in sharing your gospel. In Jesus' name, amen. In 1981, a British violinist named Peter Cropper was given a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. For a series of concerts, the London Royal Academy of Music allowed him to use a Stradivarius violin that was over 250 years old. Stradivarius instruments set the standard in the classical world, especially the violins. When they come to market, well-maintained Stradivarius violins can be worth millions of dollars. They're renowned for their craftsmanship, their history, and most importantly, their sound. On the first night of the concerts, while walking onto the stage, Cropper tripped. The priceless violin broke his fall. His fall broke the violin. More on him later. We're beginning a series this morning on the Gospel of John. I love John's gospel because it constantly confronts you with absolute claims about who Jesus is, what his purpose was, and why he came to the world. There's not a lot of gray area in John. A few introductory comments on the gospel of John. John was written by John, the apostle John, a member of Jesus' inner circle, although he never actually mentions himself in this book. <coughs> he always refers to himself as the one Jesus loved few things about John. He knew Jesus. He was part of the inner circle. He heard Jesus preach. He was a witness to the miracles Jesus performed. He ate meals with him. He was at the table for the Last Supper with him. He was a witness to Jesus' death. 
And on the first Easter Sunday, when Mary Magdalene and the other Mary saw the empty tomb, John was right there with Peter as the first of the disciples to hear that Jesus had risen from the dead and that the tomb was empty. John wrote five books in the New Testament, the Gospel of John, three letters, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, and then the final book of the Bible, Revelation. Of the four Gospels, it's largely agreed upon by biblical scholars that John was the last of them to have been written. As a result, John was likely familiar with the other Gospels. He omits stories that the other Gospels contain. And there's also a lot of information that's found in John that's not found in the other Gospels. It's the most unique of the Gospels. John's Gospel does not include parables. Most of the miracles in John's Gospel are called signs, which is unique to John. And all of those signs are only found in John's Gospel. In fact, there are only three miracles in John's Gospel that are mentioned in any of the other Gospels. Most significantly, the resurrection and two others. Which, by the way, is a good trivia question if you can tell me the answer to that one. Also exclusive to John's gospel are a series of statements which Jesus makes about himself called the I am statements. Jesus says things like, I am the light of the world. I am the good shepherd. I am the door. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Just to name a few. All of those found only in John. Most of John's gospel are stories and events through Jesus' ministry. But the opening section where we'll be today is unique. It's an introductory prologue, which is the first 18 verses of John chapter 1. It's one of the richest sections in the New Testament in terms of the identity and nature of Christ. And for that reason, I think it's important to take some, some time and really digging in and studying this section. It establishes many of the themes and ideas that we'll see throughout this gospel. John's gospel is 21 chapters, so obviously to preach all the way through will take a little bit of time. My goals are simple. It is that we grow and be transformed as followers of Christ through, through studying his word. It's a goal that we become more acquainted with the gospel of John and have a better understanding for this book in God's sacred scripture. And it is my hope that we grow in our knowledge of Jesus, who he is, the life he had, the ministry he had, his death on the cross, his glorious resurrection, and a greater love for Christ in the process. As we study John, I would certainly encourage you to read through John. Some of us might not have the best daily Bible reading habits. It's okay. But let me encourage you then to start with John. Finding time every day to read a chapter, two chapters, three chapters in John. For people who read the Bible regularly, let me encourage you not to forget about what you're reading, but to also incorporate John into that. If you can read through it once a week, or even just once a month, but to be continually studying this book as we go through these passages, I think that that will um, be all the more enriching. You can never spend too much time in God's word or studying his books. All that being said, let's just jump right into our text this morning after those two introductory comments. Again, John chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. 
In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him, not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. Our goal today is to show that Jesus brings a new creation into the world and into the lives of those who believe in the gospel. And the main idea, and for those who take notes, this is, there's some blanks on the back page. Jesus is the Lord of creation and new creation. I'll say that one more time. Jesus is the Lord of creation and new creation. I want to start by just highlighting a few words that are found in this prologue of John. In the beginning, word, life, light, darkness, just to name a few. These are all found both in John 1, but also in Genesis chapter 1, the Bible's opening chapter. So let's touch on some of these, on some of these ideas, and we're going to be fairly brief. But again, my goal is to show this creation idea in the opening of John. So let's take a look at our passage. Opening phrase of the Gospel of John, in the beginning was the Word. It's interesting comparing the opening of John's Gospel to the openings of the other three Gospels. Mark's Gospel begins with the ministry of John the Baptist as the one who points to Christ. Luke's Gospel goes back further to the birth of John the Baptist in Jesus. Matthew's Gospel goes back even further to the family line of Jesus and takes us back to Abraham, back to the beginning of God's covenant with his people. John's Gospel goes back even further, back to the very beginning back to eternity. Again, it's the same way in which the Bible opens up. The first words in Genesis, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. John starts, in the beginning was the word. Now, it's interesting that John says, in the beginning was the word, and not in the beginning was Jesus, or in the beginning was the Lord, or in the beginning was the Christ. 
But in the beginning was the word. Why use the word word? Borrowing an idea from D.A. Carson and his commentary on John. From the beginning of the Bible, we see references to God's word. God is a talking God. He speaks in Genesis, let there be light. And the text says, and it was so. God calls things into being by the power of his word. And what he calls into existence exists. Psalm 33, 6 says, By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth all their host. But that's not all, because God's word is also attached to deliverance. Psalm 107, 20. He sent out his word and healed them, and delivered them from their destruction. We see God's word in his covenants and promises. Genesis 15, 1, the covenant that he made with Abraham. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. The word of the Lord is mentioned numerous times in the Bible with respect to divine revelation given to the prophets. Both Jeremiah and Ezekiel say the word of the Lord came to me. The word of the Lord is seen as a key to truth and enlightenment. Psalm 119, verse 105 Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And we could go on and on and on. There is power in the word of God. Now, given that in the Old Testament, God's word is tied to creation, salvation, healing, and deliverance, the incarnation of Jesus is God's greatest and most spectacular expression to the world. The word is an appropriate title for Jesus because it is through this word that we have ultimate truth, eternal life, future hope, and assurance of God's promises. And we learn from this passage this morning that this word was in the beginning. It's not just some abstract idea or force. The word exists. And the word was with God, and the word was God. We'll discuss that at greater length next week. But just to sum up what verse 1 is saying is that Jesus is eternal. He has always existed in fellowship with God, and that he himself is God. And really, that's the major theme of John's gospel. Jesus is the Lord, the Lordship of Christ. Verse 3, we see Jesus' involvement in creation. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. All things were made through Jesus. And again, it takes us back to creation. When you read Genesis 1, John 1 plugs into those events. He wasn't just hanging out while God the Father did all the creating. Rather, nothing exists without Jesus. Verse 4, in him was life, and that life was the light of men. Two more ideas found in creation, life and light. Both of these will be significant themes in John's gospel. Let's start with life. Nearly half of the New Testament usages of the word life come from John's writings. In Genesis, life is created. The animals that walk the earth, the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, culminating in God's creation of man in his own image. All life is created in Genesis. And here... And referring to Jesus, it says that life itself is found in him. 
He is the creator of life and the sustainer of life. He is the giver of true life, life in himself. The best known verse in the entire Bible, in this book, John 3, 16, Jesus refers to the eternal life when he says, God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That's the life that Jesus came to bring. John 10, 10, Jesus says that he has come so that his people can have life and have it abundantly. And it is a life that can only come through Christ. John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And he has authority to say these things because in the beginning was the Word, and in him was life, and he made everything, and he's God. And so John begins his gospel by talking of the God of creation entering into his creation to make a new creation. Next theme of creation that's found in John, light. Quoting again from the passage, it says, In him was life, and that life was the light of men. In Genesis, the first thing God calls into being is light. Genesis 1, verses 3 and 4. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good. Light is a symbol for life, salvation, and the presence of God. In Revelation 22, the final chapter of the Bible, a book also written by the Apostle John, in pointing to God's coming kingdom, John talks of heaven and says, They will need no light or lamp of sun, for the Lord God will be their light. The light of God displays his glory and presence. Yet, John shows its meaning also in Christ. In John 8, 12, Jesus will say, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me, will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Light is contrasted by darkness. Darkness in John refers to evil and sin. Darkness is the opposite of life, both literally and metaphorically. In Genesis 1-4, we're told that God separated the light from the darkness. John chapter 1 says that the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Jesus will talk of a greater length of light and darkness in John chapter 3, when he says, The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. In that, we see why Jesus came. Because the world is sinful. People love their sin. People oppose his light. But Jesus came to bring light and life. Again, John keeps pointing us back to creation to show us the new creation that Jesus is bringing into the world. Perhaps the climax of this entire introductory section of John's Gospel is found in verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory of, of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. The language again refers to using the word, word. And it says that this word, Jesus, 
became flesh and dwelt among us. The God who created the world entered into his creation. And what a profound reality that is. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. In creation, before the fall, there was fellowship with God. It was paradise. And yet Adam and Eve introduced sin, cast out of the garden. But here in John, we see that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus came to our fallen world because he loved us, because he's gracious, and because he's good. He is the eternal God of creation, and he came to bring a new creation. In the opening of John, we see the groundwork being laid for that which is lost being regained through the gospel. Paradise was lost due to sin. But in the beginning of John, we see that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Darkness came into the world because of sin, but we see that Jesus is the true light. Death came into the world because of sin, but in Jesus, there is life. Not just anyone is capable of doing that. But Jesus isn't just anyone. He was in the beginning. Jesus is the eternal God of creation who brings a new creation. And he's here to give you new life. He overcame the darkness by living a sinless life. He brought life through his own death. He restored the relationship with God by being forsaken. All of that is his work. And he invites you into a new life, a new covenant. He gives you a new heart. The Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 that anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. In John chapter 3, a man named Nicodemus approaches Jesus. He's intrigued by this teacher. He's hearing about him in the region. He wants to know more, and he approaches Jesus at, at nighttime. Jesus says, you must be born again. Newness, new creation. On the night before he was crucified, Jesus told his disciples to love one another. He called that a new command. In the closing sections of the book of Revelation, John talks of seeing a new heaven and a new earth. He records Jesus saying, I am making all things new. When we trust in Jesus, we are born again. Jesus does bring a new creation. He does make something new. He makes a new person. Jesus is the Lord of creation and new creation. I mentioned in the beginning a story of a violinist who tripped and broke a priceless Stradivarius violin. The violin was broken, but when taken to a master craftsman, he was able to repair the violin. The original damage was undetectable. The sound of the repaired violin was better than it had been before. That which was broken had been restored. Jesus brings restoration to a fallen world. Have you trusted in Jesus? Is he your Lord and Savior? There is no other way to God. There is no other way to life. There is no other way to forgiveness. There is no other way to heaven than through Jesus. He is a mighty God. And it takes the might of God to bring new life to sinners who were dead in sin. You can't make yourself alive, but Jesus can because in him was life. You can't make yourself worthy, but Jesus has. Our passage this morning says, To all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he has given the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Because a Christian is forgiven to the glory of God, 
but the world is still fallen and sinful. We are still surrounded by darkness and sin and fall into sin ourselves. But through Christ, we have eternal life, but still face worldly death. But Jesus is bringing an ultimate and final new creation into the world. He's putting it back together. He's promised to bring restoration, and he is. And as sure as he came through his incarnation, he will finally bring the new creation at the consummation of his kingdom. You can't earn your way to heaven. But Jesus came from heaven to earth. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And the present reality is the eternal security of a heavenly hope. But it points forward still to the greater new creation that Jesus has promised and is bringing into the world and into the lives of his followers. Jesus is the Lord of creation and new creation. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I do thank you so much for your gospel and goodness and grace. Lord, I pray for everyone here today that we know that this is true, that we trust by faith in Jesus, Lord, that he is the light of the world and that he is the giver of eternal life and that he gives grace to all who believe in him and trust what he has done. It's the most important truth we can know. Lord, and I pray that all of us have our lives transformed in the light of that truth. In Jesus' name, amen.